0: If they're not a, you know, an instructional design expert, are they going to be able to craft an experience, craft a curriculum and deliver their message in a way that it gets across to the learner and to the appropriate learner, right? There's there's so many pieces to it of how we have to determine exactly what it is we want our learner to Be able to do or know at the end of something. So, just being an expert in something doesn't mean you're going to effectively give your learner transformation. And I think that's really key to keep in mind. Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked,
1: overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff. And in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth with the Scale Your Course podcast. Welcome to Scale Your Course. In this episode, I interview Emily Hardy, who has a very similar background to me. It was a really interesting conversation. It's two instructional designers talking about instructional design. And I really think that you're going to get a lot of value out of listening today. Emily is a multi-passionate, self-proclaimed lifelong learner and the founder of her course design. She aims to bring high quality instructional design to the online course creation space. Really, it's no wonder that her and I have become friends. Emily is a former elementary school teacher with a master's of education in curriculum and instruction. She's dedicated to supporting purpose-driven entrepreneurs in the creation of engaging high impact learning experiences. She is also the host of the Worthy Mother podcast. So you can see that Emily and I have a lot in common. This conversation will give you some insight into what is an instructional designer, why instructional design matters, the types of places that our clients typically get hung up, how we help and support our clients, and why you might want to consider hiring a designer for your next project. So I would suggest that you grab a piece of paper and a pen. Without further ado, here is my interview with Emily. Welcome, welcome, Emily, to Scale Your Course. This is going to be super duper like i am super excited about this idea of having someone else on the podcast who loves the design side of courses as much as i do and i'm just thrilled that we had this opportunity to connect and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about why i think you know that it's so important for us to connect in a few minutes but before we start i would just love it if you could tell us a little bit about you what you do how you got into the course design business, and uh, then we'll see where this conversation is going to take us.
0: I am so excited to be here and to have this conversation with you. So thank you so much for having me on your incredible podcast. I am Emily. I'm the founder and the instructional designer behind her course design. And I help course creators just really create quality educational experiences for their learners, this was not something that I always thought I'd do, right? I kind of fell into this line of work. I was an elementary school teacher and also had a business that I was running um, and still run with motherhood support and coaching. And I transitioned out of the classroom, wasn't teaching anymore, and found myself just really pulled into helping people with their courses online. I have a master's degree in education and, and specifically curriculum and instruction. And, you know, just people asking questions like, hey, what do you think about this with my course? And really seeing kind of a a gap in the online space with creating courses that are really instructionally sound. And so I decided that that's something that, you know, I have the the background and the passion behind it to help course creators really make that impact through really quality learning experiences and that's kind of what brought me to right where I am and I'm sure we'll we'll get into it more but short story <laughs> <laughs>
1: well isn't it always the way I find there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that have this story where they're like I just fell into this by accident mm-hmm. and often that's because that's where our passion shines through. We start talking to other people about things that light us up. They become attracted to what we have to say. They tell to friends and so on and so on. And the next thing you know, you're talking about it more and more and more. And you're like, hey, there's something here, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm attracted to you because we think alike, like so alike. And even in just the little bit that I know about you, I know – from an instructional design perspective, what you value and what you think. But even just in a the few minutes of talking with you just prior to us hitting record, there's just so much synergy between our our thought process on the topic of course design. And, you know, one of the things that when I was actually getting ready to launch a podcast, I had taken a program to help me get things off the ground. And, you know, I'm a DIYer for the most part, but I I do like structure and framework. And so I I was in the Pays to Podcast program um, that Jacqueline Malone and Farnoosh Chorabi were running. And one of the things that we were cautioned on was, ironically, having someone on a podcast as a guest that is doing the same kind of Mm -hmm. work as you. And I thought about that when I thought about you know having you on the podcast. Was this competitive? Was this going to be a value to you and to me? And you know I kept coming back to the same thing, which was it is valuable because we have a message. We're a small number of people who are skilled and trained professionally to do this work, and it's often misunderstood. I think that that one that we even exist, and two, mm-hmm. the value that we can even bring somebody who think that they can do this all on their own. So for me today, I really want us to create this united front to everyone listening that we both collectively, we're on a mission here, folks, to really (laughs) raise awareness to the value of reaching out and getting support from an expert on the foundational elements of building out your course I really just wanted to make sure that everyone understood that, that this is really, to me, it's a good partnership that we have right now in this episode to bring these thoughts and ideas forward. I'd love to know, what do you love the most about instructional design? Why do you think that you became attracted to it?
0: You know, I love education. And I know that sounds like a really broad statement, but I'm so just intrigued by both how we learn and also the impact that learning and teaching can have. I mean, that's what got me into elementary school teaching originally. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do growing up. And then I got to the end of college. I'm like, you know, I I think this is where I can have an impact. I really love learning myself. And I think it's so cool that we all have information. We all have knowledge. We all have experience that we can share with others through conversation, through you know our stories, but also sometimes through educational platforms, through courses, things like that. And I'm so drawn to making sure that the delivery of those messages, whatever the messages that someone's trying to teach, whatever the purpose is, I'm really drawn to being able to make sure that they're actually able to get that across, right? I mean, we we all know course completion rates they tend to not be the best just in general, right? If someone signs up for a course and then they don't do it, there's no impact there, right? There's no knowledge shared. There's no growth, whatever the purpose is, it's just not happening. And so that piece of it, it gets me a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it's cool that I can help people with messages to share and with information to share and with experience to share actually do that in a way that's going to have an impact.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. For me, it is hard to convey sometimes in the space to even potential clients that I want to support them on their mission of putting their best self forward, be they're an expert in their niche. And I know that when we're in business, we're in business to make money and we want to sell things. I, I understand that. What my focus has been is really to help them show up the, as their best self so that they can, past the initial sale, actually go beyond the transaction into the transformation. Because that in itself, the ROI is harder to measure, because yes, people can complete your course. But the hope is that those people will then either come back to take something else from you in the future or refer a friend, give you better quality testimonials. When you make a difference for somebody, they remember you. You know, when people say, well, how will I know that my investment in you is actually going to be of value? Because sometimes I can't always say, well, I'll help you earn $10,000 more a month. That's that's a hard hard sell for me to make a promise. But what I can promise mm-hmm. is that what you do show up to do, is you're going to have so much more confidence and so much more expertise is going to shine through just by the way that I can help my clients. So impact is so, so important. What do you see happening in the online space as it relates to the subject matter experts and and some of the challenges that they come across when they're starting out on this journey of course design?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think something that catches me a lot is this message out there that anyone can create a course that is huge right now in the online entrepreneurial space. And I agree with it, right? Like, I agree that we all have Something that we can teach someone. I mean, the fact of the matter is, we all have different experiences and we all have different things we bring to the table. However, having information to share with someone and being able to share it with them in a way where they, you know, it soaks in and they're actually able to learn it or they have the invested desire to learn it, right? There's so many pieces to it. That's a different story. And so we see a lot of times someone who knows everything about a topic about a subject right and they want to teach on it because they are the expert they are the person who has that knowledge to share if they're not a you know an instructional design expert are they going to be able to craft an experience craft a curriculum and deliver their message in a way that it gets across to the learner and to the appropriate learner, right, there's there's so many pieces to it of how we have to determine exactly what it is we want our learner to be able to do or know at the end of something. So just being an expert in something doesn't mean you're going to effectively give your learner a transformation. And I think that's really key. To keep in mind, it's not like I'm going to come in and build someone's course for them in terms of giving all the expertise on their subject matter. If you are teaching a course on World War II, I don't know something like that. I don't know all that stuff, and I'm, you know, you're the expert. But it's that I can help you actually create something that will teach your learner whatever it is you want them to know about World War II. I guess that's kind of puts it into a nice little example. <laughs> yeah, I
1: I hear what you're saying people actually ask me you know how can mm-hmm. you help me create a course that you don't know anything about the topic or the the content and i don't need to know any of that i mm-hmm. need to know how to extract from you what's valuable and important and relevant and meaningful and then be able to help you structure and organize it in a way mm-hmm. that is going to give the most appropriate experience well and i like what you said to the appropriate person right mm-hmm. the the best experience to the most appropriate person so that they are able to move beyond just the knowing of something to the actual doing of something and yeah. i mean for me it's about the action that we need people to be taking as a result of this time that they're spending Taking in new information, but then what do they do with that information? And is the actions that you have them taking the actual actions that are going to give them the biggest bang for their buck, so to speak? So it really is a craft. And I think it's misunderstood. People will think curriculum is a course outline. It's not. There's so much more to curriculum. I like to say it, it's more than the what of teaching, it's in the how where the magic really happens. So it's it's understanding intentionally what you're teaching and why you're teaching it and what it is you actually need people to be actually doing. So I will probably say many, many times in this episode, I 100% agree with you because I think, <laughs> you know, we we think alike. I'd love to hear a little bit about your process when someone approaches you for curriculum design. Where
0: do you start? You know, I think... Something that happens a lot when someone's like, I am an expert on this and I want to create this course. A lot of times they're like, "Okay, where do I start, or what exactly do I want to teach? I I know a lot about this. What do I, what do I teach?" And so it is so crucial, so crucial that the first step in the process is creating a course objective, understanding exactly what you want the point of the course to be, um, and that includes for who, right? That ideal learner. And this is something, I mean, anyone who has a business probably knows, you know, the ideal client and things like that. For some reason, when it comes to creating the course, that's not always front of mind of like, who exactly am I teaching? And understanding who you're teaching and what exactly you want them to be able to do when they are done with your course, when they walk away from the course, whatever the goal is, Having that front of mind has to be the first step. It just, it's first of all going to inform a lot of what's actually included in the course. I mean, it's going to tell you what you have to teach. And it's also going to tell you if you know who your learner is and their background and all of that, it's going to tell you like what gaps need to be filled to get there and all of those pieces as well. I'm glad to hear that you
1: are focused on the learning outcomes. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything last from an instructional designer, because <laughs> if you told me learning outcomes didn't matter, then I'd have to ask you where you got your degree. <laughs> <laughs> right. What other things are you commonly seeing or mistakes that people are making?
0: Yeah, you know, I think another big one is just kind of throwing it all together. And I don't mean like haphazardly, like not putting care into it. That's not what I mean. But just like, oh, I have all these activities I want them to do. And I think it kind of speaks to what you were just referring to, but not being clear on kind of the sequence of things and not just the sequence, but like how it all is building to that to that goal, right? Like how does one thing lead to the next and each piece of the course, right? Each lesson, each activity you're having them do, what is the purpose of that in getting them to that goal. I think that it's important for everyone to explain what the goal is, what the objective is. When I was a kindergarten teacher for a year, we were required to write on the board the objective for each lesson and then explain it to the five-year-olds in a way that they would understand because, I mean, we don't learn things if we don't know what we're supposed to be learning. Think about going into like a math class, an algebra class, and your teacher just starts teaching you the quadratic formula without telling you what you're learning and what this formula does, you're going to be like, what are you doing on the board right now? Right? Like, it just doesn't mean anything. And so just really fundamentally to teach someone something, they have to know what it is that they're learning and kind of that why, not necessarily like the full big picture why, but what is this doing to to get me towards that goal? And then As adults, especially when we're teaching someone who just invested in an online course and probably really busy, have a job, you know, all these things, there's all these other things pulling for their attention. You really have to convince them why they are doing each piece. And so as the person creating the course, you need to make sure that you've been intentional with piecing it together so that there is really a strong why behind each little thing that's going on and that you're communicating that to your learner. I think something else too is just being really set on investing in, whether it's time, energy, money to invest in services of someone else, investing in the selling of the course and how that's going to work instead of making sure what you're selling is a really quality product. For a lot of reasons, that's important, right? Like ethically, we want to make sure if we're presenting someone something that we say is of high quality that it is. This is where a lot of the energy needs to go. And I'm not saying that energy doesn't need to go to the setup of everything else, because if you can't set up how you're going to sell it, then it's not going to have an impact either. That's all really important. And as entrepreneurs, making money is important. It's all important, but that doesn't take away from the development of the course being absolutely essential.
1: I agree. From a marketing perspective, people Mm want to sell their course and Mm -hmm. Well, I've heard marketers say, or people that buy into the marketing part of it. And when I say buy in, I don't mean any of this negatively, but these are Absolutely. common traps that I think people fall into. If if you can't sell it, then you shouldn't build it. Mm-hmm. But my argument is if you don't know what you're selling on an in- intimate level, meaning you really have already gone deep in some of that planning I'm not saying you need to create all of your content and put it all together and brand it and make it look pretty. But if you take the time on the outset to go not just to the outline, but beyond the outline to really getting into the experience you're trying to create before you create your sales page and you go out and try and sell it. I am of the belief that people would sell more and the experience
0: overall for people would be better. It can kind of be a fluid cycle, right? Like you you want to be answering the needs of who you're serving. So getting that feedback from them and knowing that there's interest is important. However, you have to be really clear on what it is that you are offering to them, what that outcome is in order to be able to deliver on it, right? Like that's that's so important. And if you're really clear on all that, if you're really clear on who your learner is and what they need, I mean, that's going to make it easier to market, right? Like that's all marketing. <laughs> it all goes together and it all really helps. But I, I completely agree with what you're saying. It's not that those other things aren't important at all, but I think that we're already talking about those things, right? And it's there's this piece missing in a lot of the conversation.
1: Yeah, there is. and. The other thing is, what I'm saying is not that you have to, you know, take ages to actually get something Mm -hmm. out there into the market. If you have the right framework, the right structure, the right questions you're asking, the the reflections and the, the opportunities for you to really have someone like you or I actually even supporting you with that process, it doesn't have to take that much longer because, We know the questions that need to be answered. We know how to drill down and get you there so that when you are transitioning into the selling part, even very fairly quickly, you're going to be that much closer to success, right? I'm not sure if I'm articulating it as well as I would like in the moment, but I I definitely am not saying that you have to put your project on pause, but I, I do think it needs to be more than just a Facebook post. (laughs) <laughs> that you're trying to attract people with because that's eventually not going to help you attract the right people, probably. Even those that raise their hand, if they're not really clear on what it is or you're not really clear on what it is that you're you're actually going to be um, leading them through, then it's going to be harder to sell in the long run anyways. So you might get some false sense of security of interest. Marketers need instructional designers and instructional designers need marketers. That's how I look Absolutely. at it. Yeah. Yes, and I, then we, I
0: completely we can't do it without the subject matter experts. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. I think the way that you laid that out, it, it's it really is like it's all these pieces of the puzzle and you can't miss any of it. Right. And so how that happens, I mean, it doesn't all have to happen with hiring an instructional designer, but you have to have that instructional design in your course. No matter how it gets there, you have to think about the way the pieces fit together.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The structure and organization piece, I think is where a lot of my clients will say that they have the most trouble. They Mm -hmm. don't, they don't know yet about the objectives and the outcomes. Like I usually say, actually, we have to take one step backwards. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people will bring stuff to me that they've already developed. And I will say, let's pull it apart first. And if we rebuild it and it looks exactly the same as it did, which it typically doesn't, but if it looks exactly the same as when you brought it to me and we, we've we taken half a day to make sure that it is structurally sound before we take it to the next level, then it is time well spent, right? People don't know what they don't know. They'll come and it'll be like, okay, I've got all this content. I just don't know how to organize it in in some way but what they missed out on is this focal point. That's why it's hard for them. It's even harder for them because they don't have that first step that you talked about. And that's where content overwhelm comes in, but it's because they don't have that, that focal point.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a big truth. Um, I also find too that, I think this goes for anything. And you know, I find when I do this, when I when I create something, That is more than just an Instagram post, right? I really need someone else if it's, you know, let's say I'm writing an essay. I need someone else to read it to make sure that I said what I was trying to say because I know what I was trying to say. So if I read it again, it's like, well, yeah, I said what I was trying to say. Like, I I know it. But having someone else's eyes on what you're creating to make sure that you are actually including all the pieces that need to be there to say what you're trying to say. If it's your content, you know what you're trying to say. You're not learning it. So having someone else's eyes. Really. I mean, for this, it's really having anyone else's eyes that has, you know, can, can take it in that way. Of course, having someone who has the educational background and the instructional design background is going to be, it's going to be the most beneficial, but really making sure that when you're creating something to teach others, that you're not just assuming that you've hit everything that you need to hit because you're not going to be able to look at it through the lens of someone who doesn't know these steps that need to be taken to get to X goal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Even in schools, of, at, I would assume at all levels, and then for sure in higher ed, mm-hmm. we have- access as faculty to other designers and faculty that are specifically trained in instructional design because many of the faculty are subject matter experts. That's how I started in higher ed, was a subject matter expert in early childhood education and, you know, I I knew a lot and I could tell great stories, but it took me a couple semesters and I realized that I just had so much more to learn about teaching and how to run a 14 week course that was not just a two hour training session and, you know, make it all fit. And that's why I, I invested so much. I was passionate about it and I loved what I was doing and I wanted to do it better. So that's why I invested in my own education and professional skills around learning how to do the design piece, but like in colleges and universities, they hire specific people in these positions for Mm -hmm. the very thing that you're talking about. And when I do course development and I get contracts for course development, one of the things that I always do, and I think- this took a little bit for me to even accept <laughs> because I have the professional training. So I'm like, why do I need to get someone else to look over my course? But for the very same reason that you do, I have blinders on my own mm-hmm. content. And so I almost need whether it's it's in the higher ed space or it is even in the the space that I'm in, in the entrepreneurial space, having a sounding board, someone else to look at my stuff and tell me like, what's missing? Does this make sense? If you were taking this course, what kind of experience do you think you've had? Or would you test this out and give me honest feedback about where you get stuck and, and how I what what's missing for you? So I think entrepreneurs are really quick to get help with sales and copywriting and branding and web designing and all of that. But for some reason, there's so many people that just think that the course design piece is the easiest piece and they can take care Mm -hmm. of it all on their own. I'd love to hear your perspective on service providers Mm -hmm. who are used to delivering a one to one service and they're really good at it. It might be a done for you or it might be a done with you, but now they want to teach someone else how to do that service on their own. What's different for service providers when they're transitioning? their services from one-to-one to to a course that they need to Mm -hmm. be mindful of.
0: Yeah, I think again, I'm gonna, it's always gonna come back to objective, right? To what the objective is. I think knowing that there's likely going to be a little bit different of an objective when you are teaching someone how to do something on their own versus you as the expert doing it. I think that is really important to know that you're unless you're teaching them to become an expert on that thing the goal is not for them to be able to be you, right? And so being really clear on what they need to know and what the key pieces there are is super important. But another thing that's really important there is knowing that you may not be able to individualize the learning in the same way, right? When we're having a conversation one-on-one and something comes up, we can deal with it right then and there, or, you know, I need to check on that and I'm going to get back to you. You have this question. So- First of all, making sure in your course, there's opportunity for the learner to get information that they need, whatever that looks like, whether that's providing additional resources, you know, having some sort of support group where they can reach out to you or to other people doing the learning, whatever it is, right? There's tons of options on that, but making sure that they can get questions answered as they come up. But also knowing that you have to approach it a little differently and you have to really be clear on what that ideal learner's background is, what their knowledge is, so that you can make sure that you are teaching to all those things and explicitly covering things that you may not think they need to know because it's not the objective of the course, but it's, well, they have to know that to know the next thing. And so it's just, it's different because when you're teaching someone, again, in a one-to-one capacity or when you're teaching someone live, you can deal with that a little differently. And so I think that is, it's really crucial to keep in mind. Sure. And I
1: guess it depends too on the format of your course. So some absolutely. Are- creating self-study courses where people are just mm-hmm. going to be going through and there may not be the opportunity for any one-on-one connection with you others are taking on a more hybrid model where they mm-hmm. are having the self-study portion but then offering some coaching or consulting calls yes. either individually or in group so you know you need to know what supports are available to your person when you're designing and maybe do some anticipation about what where they might get stuck or what they might need support with. Actions that we take, we sometimes simplify. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I challenge my clients on is taking anything that we want someone to do and breaking it down step by step, even opening a jar of peanut butter, okay? How many steps does it take to like, all the skill all the, the different steps it takes to open a jar of peanut butter. Sounds silly, but think about it. If you ever get a piece of paper and you just want to challenge yourself, how many how many steps can you come up with? It's going to be quite a few. And actually, I don't know if you've ever seen this video, but there was this video of this little boy trying to teach his dad how to make a peanut butter sandwich. And dad was intentionally following the child's directions exactly as the child said. And the child thought that they were being clear. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's meant to it was a child and but an old enough child, the child would say, take the knife and spread the peanut butter from the left side to the right side or whatever. But then dad would like maybe turn the knife upside down and like, well, which side am I supposed to spread from? Right. You know, that kind of thing. It's not exactly that, but that was the gist of it. And how many attempts that this little boy made to get his dad to make a peanut butter sandwich was hilarious. But I think. The point of that is we sometimes assume that what we know other people will know and that Mm -hmm. it's clear, like you said. So challenging ourselves to break it down to the smallest tasks that are part of your mission and then knowing where people might need more information Mm -hmm. and not making those assumptions. In early childhood education and, and probably even in, in, I, I would say probably elementary education, we call this task analysis, right? Where you just take a task, you break it down into multiple steps. And that's how you teach people. You either teach them from the top down, forward chaining. So first step through to the last step or backward chaining, which is you start with them doing the last step and and then gradually like getting them to do it from start to finish. That's a lot of my background working with kids with special needs in particular, like we used to use all of that. And I'm probably taking the audience into some kind of like the tornado right now because they're like, (laughs) Um, but basically I'm concurring with you that filling those gaps and knowing, identifying those gaps and knowing what they are, not making assumptions and really knowing what you're teaching is super, super important I'd love to also know if you've had clients that have come to you where they've already had courses created. What do you think might trigger someone to come to you even if they already have something that they've put out there, they sell, people enroll, but why would we want them to come and think about the design part of it if if they've already had some success?
0: Yeah, well I think something that is so key in creating programs for people is that you know getting feedback right like that's we want to make sure that we are hitting everything that someone needs so as entrepreneurs as course creators as instructors it's really that's part of the process that should be part of the process right getting that feedback and then using it to improve your craft improve your product so I know sometimes people don't do this work before they create their program and they're ready to like Just make it better, make it more refined, make it something that is going to stand out in their space. I think just having a growth mindset in general is huge in the entrepreneurial space. I mean, that's, I don't think many people start businesses without thinking that they can grow, right? Like, it's that's huge. And so bringing that to any offer you have, particularly a course, right? Like, knowing you can get back in there and improve it is really it says a lot about who's creating the course and it's really important and I think that's something that a lot of people want to do they want to go back and revisit things to make them better
1: absolutely there's never a time when this isn't important and valuable Mm -hmm. to do and you haven't missed the boat if you didn't do it at the start because you didn't know different or you weren't really sure that it was even something that you needed to think about or even to do. One of my favorite things to do is to pull something apart, and put it back together again. Mm-hmm. I learned that when I was in my master's program and we were challenged as part of an assignment or two to actually look at somebody's course and find the gaps and, you know, make suggestions. And it's always an iterative process. So even though I might improve something for someone or with someone that feedback that you talked about, like, should be ongoing. It's Mm -hmm. never done, as far as I'm concerned. There's always opportunity to think about it differently and, and to test things. And sometimes things don't go the way we plan, and we get the feedback and then we go back to the table and we we think about okay what is it we're trying to accomplish what have we tried what didn't go so well i mean when i was doing a lot of live teaching in particular at the college level i remember a few epic fails when it came to the way i tried to present information that just fell like a lead balloon and you're like oh but i thought this was going to go so <laughs> awesome and knowing that that's normal that's a part of the process and Obviously, we don't want that to happen all the time. Otherwise, people are going to be like, oh my gosh, like, why did I hire this person or why is she teaching this course? One of the things, though, that I see, and maybe you see the same thing, is when people come to me and they're curious about what mm-hmm. I do and how I might be able to help them, there's a fear that I am going to see things negatively and that the essence of what they've created is actually going to not be theirs anymore. How do you
0: feel about that? You know, I think when anyone creates something, there's a lot that goes into that, right? Like there's there's an attachment to, there's a lot of work that goes into a course. So I think it's completely valid to have those feelings, right? Like you're bringing something to someone that you've put dedicated work into, I think that being clear on why you created a course in the first place, was it just to sell a course or was it to have an impact with your, your course and to, I mean, and that, you know, in turn, there's all kinds of benefits to that when it comes to selling the course too. But if you actually want the thing that you put all this time and energy and love into creating to have that impact. Having someone who has the skills and expertise to go in, figure out with you what the objective is supposed to be and make sure that every piece of that course is arranged in a way even. I mean, yes, there might be things missing or extra things that should be moved or taken out, but a lot of it is really just making sure it's all flowing to that end goal. Um, And I think getting into the mindset of that being only a good thing right like you want to have that impact so allowing your course to actually give people the outcomes that you want to be giving them to be able to allow them to take whatever it is from your course and go do whatever it is in the world that you're trying to get them to be able to do like that's all good and you've put that time and energy into your course so making it better I think should be celebrated right like that's exciting Yeah.
1: And it speaks to, I think, who people are as a Mm -hmm. person, you know, someone that recognizes that there's always room for growth. There's always room for improvement. And, you know, maybe the areas that you think are the trouble spots are not even the trouble spots at all. Maybe there's just some small little tweaks that can be made, like nothing has to be totally dismantled, even though I did say, I think earlier, like pull it all apart and put it back together again You know, I didn't tell you where there were some obvious gaps or errors in, you know, the structure and organization of it, then I wouldn't be doing my job. And then why would you be paying me, right? (laughs) So there has to be a willingness and openness to possibilities. And when I do what I used to call course audits, I call them now strengths and opportunities analysis because it really is me just looking for opportunities, but also letting you know, like, don't lose this piece of it. Like this Mm -hmm. is super important. And, you know, whether that comes from me reading through streams of student feedback where there's like consistent themes, it's like doing, you know, kind of a capstone project for your master's where you're looking at the testimonials from people or the data that people have collected from feedback from even comments that people make very anecdotally that can tell you a lot about what they're taking away from your course. I think too, because of my educational background with special needs, like it's very strength-based. So mm-hmm. yes, I'm going to tell you where you could, you know, make some changes and why. Because, that, you know, if I can't explain to you why it's important that you do it a certain way, then it's probably, one, I'm not doing a job. Two, like it's it's not going to be valuable to you. But then so that you can tell your student or your client or your learner, why you've chosen to structure something or offer something at a certain time, you know, versus like, you know, whether it's dripping it all out in one fell swoop, or if it's like time dripped, like if you can explain to your client why it is the way that it is, that's the intentionality behind design, right? So yeah, I think just that openness and and willingness to know we're there to help not to mm-hmm. judge or to have everybody's course look the same and sound the same and all the things it really should be, your voice should be in there too. So this has been such a great conversation. I know that we could probably pick a whole range of different types of topics related to ID and, or instructional design and me using those acronyms and have an episode on each and every single one of them. So maybe sometime we should do a private podcast feed together where we just to kind of outline, you know, some of the different instructional design elements and and just have a good conversation about that might be fun. So yeah, I love
0: I mean, you know, I'm all about educating people. So
1: <laughs> yes, us educators, for sure, we love to talk and we love to share. And um, yeah, this has just been so great. So I'd love for everybody to know where they can find you. I believe you offer some one on one services. Maybe you can talk a little bit about those. You called it your HER course design. So, are you currently only working with female
0: entrepreneurs? So the HER is actually an acronym for honestly, Emily Rose, my coaching business that I, I, it's pretty, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, it that I, was that I am still doing and was doing prior to this. That's my, my business name, my LLC. And so I just kind of under kind of that brand it's her course design. And you can find me on Instagram actually at her underscore course design. I do really, I am really all about empowering female entrepreneurs. So I love working with female entrepreneurs, but, um, the, her is kind of a play on that. <laughs> yeah. I am so glad that I asked that.
1: Cause I didn't even know that. And, um, that makes sense. And I noticed here too, in my notes here, that you also have a podcast, The Worthy Mother Podcast. Do you want to talk do. a little
0: bit about that? I mean, I just, as I've said like a hundred times today, I just am really big on sharing conversation and and teaching through conversation. I think it's so valuable. So I have a podcast where I just have honest conversations about motherhood, looking at societal context and internal situations that mothers face and things like that. So that's multi-passionate and just excited to share these messages.
1: (laughs) That's great. And I know from podcasting myself, how much time and effort goes into it. So you have to be passionate about the topic that you're talking about. Otherwise, you're going to find it really hard to keep up the momentum to keep bringing out those Mm -hmm. episodes Emily, I'm so glad that we got a chance to meet. I know this is not going to be our last opportunity. I already have some ideas on ways we can potentially partner. I think the message that the two of us have is, is very similar, but we need more voices to be heard on it. So if you are out there, and you're also in the ID fields, like reach out to both Emily and I, we would love to meet you and really just band together to, to share this message that we're here to help and support. And we mm-hmm. have so much to offer. And we're getting to a point too, I think in the online space, it's so much more competitive with courses and mm-hmm. online programs that standing out is a critical part of this. And when you can take the time to work alongside of an expert, and it will show in, in what you mm-hmm. create. And that's only going to be, there's a big ROI there. It's just not easy to measure at the very beginning steps of it, but you have to walk the steps to trust us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, I completely agree. And I think there's something to be said about having the support and just getting started too, because I think there's, it's easy to get caught up in not knowing where to start and we can really help bring your ideas to life in the way that you want to, which I think is really powerful.
1: Absolutely. So thank you so much, Emily. It's been great chatting with you.
0: This has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me.